Hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be preaching on the story of David and Goliath. Um, so I'm just going to briefly go through the story because I'm assuming most of you know the gist of it. Um, so in Samuel 1 Samuel 16, God sends Samuel to Jesse in Bethlehem to anoint a king. Jesse is the father of David and seven other sons. And Jesse passes through these three... These seven of his sons before Samuel, and not one of them is he who God has chosen. Samuel asks if these are all the sons Jesse has, and Jesse explains, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And so Samuel tells him to go and bring this other son, which is David, to himself. And David is anointed with oil as king amongst all of his brothers. Then later in chapter 17, the Philistines um, wage war against the Israelites and present this champion named Goliath. And it says he is six cubits tall as well as wide. Um, so in Samuel 17, verse 5 to 11, it says, So David, uh, sorry, 17, verse 5 to 11. Um, he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them why have you come out to line up for battle am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me if he is able to fight with me and kill me then we will be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him then you shall be our servants and serve us and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Um, okay. So... Um, sorry. So David ends up hearing um, Goliath's threat and speaks with courage amongst the men. And this angers his older brother. So David's brother says, Why did you come down why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And then in, further along in Samuel 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 to 37, it says, um, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came to took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Phil- Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So while others saw the possible defeat, David saw the possible victory. When we... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, when we are anointed for something, for something, it is in our nature to reflect what we have been anointed for, just like David started to reflect leadership. <clears throat> there are three points from this on the things that tried to bring him down or bring doubt into his mind. The first that tried to bring him down was confrontation confrontation or fear. Goliath could have intimidated David with fear, but David knew that his God was bigger and instead of stepping down, he stepped up in faith and confidence in God. The second was condemnation. David's brother could have brought David down with condemnation and accusation, just like the devil tries with us. But David knew his worth and God's love for him and didn't let lies bring him down. And the third was self-doubt. Saul could have brought David down in doubt in his capability, but David responded with the knowledge of his potential in God in remembrance of what he had overcome in the past. The devil will try to bring you down with these things in an attempt to prevent you from moving forward in the battle and winning the victory by faith. And so... Um, in verses 38 to 40, it says, So Saul clothed David with his armour, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armour and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took the staff in his hand And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So God was preparing David in his time as being a shepherd before he was anointed as king. And David was equipped with the right tools, um, such as a shepherd's bag, that suited him and his purpose in the fight. Um, the armour did not fit right on him and even though it was what everyone else would normally wear into the battle um, it was irrelevant to the approach God was calling him to take so this is showing us not to compare ourselves to others when it comes to the walk God is calling us to Um, yes, so the devil knows that God's power is released when we step into his calling and he'll come against us in in an attempt to prevent this from happening. Um, 
So, power is released when we as a youth group are positioned in the right places at the right time. David had foundations in God that allowed him to be positioned for his glory. Um, he saved the nation of Israel and as a youth we can save the nation when we are released in God's power. So let God create foundations in you that resist the pressures and are confident and secure in God. That's all. All right, good work. That's awesome. Oh, that's a wrap. Seven o'clock. See you later. Just kidding. We, this is a double team. This is a preaching duo. This is duo and duo. You know, there's two. There's multiple. Here we go. We got the third and only Claire. Oh yeah, I know, guys. Sorry, I'm distracting you with my Zeke Power um, fashion tonight, but I just I had to do it, you know. Okay, so um, hey guys, I'm Claire. Um, tonight I'm going to be talking a bit about magnifying. So we all know what this is, right? So right now it looks like a little bit of a Yes, actually, yes. Um, so it actually looks a bit gross. I only bought it today and I've only just opened it and it's a bit grotty. But anyway, we all know what this is, a magnifying glass. It enables us to see things closer than our normal eye can see, right? It helps us to see every little detail of whatever we want that we may otherwise miss. So according to the online dictionary, the definition of magnify is to make something appear larger than it is, especially with a lens or a microscope. This... So it's to intensify, amplify, or increase a size of something. Um, so I actually found a pretty cool meaning of it. It had this old meaning called like archaic or something like that, which um, that is the old definition of um, magnify. So I found that that actually means to praise highly or glorify. And it had a little example, praise the Lord and magnify him. No, I'd rather not. <laughs> um, so as Christians, we have the opportunity to know God and to discover who he is um, as we learn about his character. So for me, God is full of love. He's an encourager and he is an opportunity maker. In those things, I have the ability to magnify God because I can praise him and know that his love is real. His encouragement is true and his opportunities provide me with um, chances to grow. So tonight, I encourage you to realize what God is for you. Um, sometimes we may find it difficult to magnify God because as humans, our culture is like so fast-paced and we get distracted and we want an instant and fast like result. So, um, uh, and we can look past the God focus. So I see it kind of like this. My favorite analogy, of course, cheeseburger from Macca's. So you're super hungry after school and all you can think about is that delicious cheeseburger. So you get there and you're like, mm, I need something to satisfy my hunger. Um, so you've got, you've got each component. You've got the weird bun that's like weirdly kind of squishy, that disgusting colored cheese that like, who even colors cheese that bright yellow, that weird like meat that like, I don't know what's in it, but like I still put it in my body because it's delicious. Um, like that weird sauce that somehow tastes so darn good. And then maybe if you're lucky, you get two pickles, not just one. And like, I know, I love a good old pickle like that. So, um... For me, it never sustains me. It never fills me up. It's like, it's fake food. That's just the reality. It's fake food. It's not real. Um, but it's good because it's instant, right? Like, it's, it's instant. You just go there, give them that 325, and you've got that burger. Delicious. 
But actually, the thing is, it's not going to sustain us. It's only temporary. We know that we can't rely on it. It's, it's instant, and we know that God isn't a temporary God. He's an everlasting God. He's never going to change. But like our cheeseburger, it's really just, uh, you know what I mean? But then we think of the best burger we've ever had. Made that beautifully toasted bun, that normal colored cheese um, that's just melted perfectly, a meat that you know what it is, and the best homemade sauce you've ever had. (laughs) It takes time, but it's worth the wait. It fills me up and it satisfies my hunger. Each component is so perfect and delicious. Right? Yeah? You agree? Yeah? Okay, so Psalm 102, verse 25 to 26 says, Long ago you laid the foundations of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. Things are temporary and they perish. They'll disappear. They won't be here anymore. There's no point in glorifying each component of our gross Macca's burger when it's not going to last, Right? So sometimes we're looking for a solution to an issue. We look like we look for a band-aid, like Alana's little paper analogy, something that just gets soggy when it's wet. It's not going to last. It has like, you know when you have a shower and you've got a band-aid on your hand or something, it's just kind of gross and just kind of floppy. Yeah, it's not, it's not good, is it? It's temporary. It's not a permanent solution. So we need to look for a cast to put on our, our issues um, to fix them, something with structure and like power to fix something, right? Um, our solution can be healed or overcome when it has a permanent um, cast. So it may take time, like our favorite burger, and magnifying each component that is so perfectly made, but um, it's worth it. Um, God allows us to have patience to wait and to wait with peace. For us as Christians, we can magnify and glorify God um, in the way we think, feel, and act. Each of those things can magnify him, and it shows how great he is. Um, Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. We're not here to praise anything that's temporary or instant or fast-paced, but we're here to praise God, to magnify him by giving um, him our thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, that was a bit messed up. Um, his love is something to magnify. We choose to magnify what we want to be like. When we choose to magnify the world, we're doing the devil's work. We're making temporary choices that are not impactful or meaningful at all. So I have a little picture. Let me just get it ready. Um, this one. Um, okay, so look at this. From a distance, like from super far away, you can't really see anything, right? Right? Exactly, exactly. But as we take a closer look... Um, As we take a closer look, we can see who God really is. He's everlasting. He's full of love. But we've got to magnify the right things, right? Now flip the paper. Can you see anything on that side? No, there's, there's nothing exactly. There's nothing to magnify here. Like our little Macca's cheeseburger, nothing to magnify. There's no purpose in it. That's like we can't be magnifying nothing because there's just there's nothing there. So flip it, flip her again. So we can see that there's actually something to glorify, to focus on, to, to zoom in on. And we can give God his thanks and his praises for these things. Like he's an all-knowing God. He's a powerful God. He's never-ending. He's, he's full of love and mercy and grace. And those are things that when we're feeling so low and we don't know what to praise, like we can thank him for those things. Um, thank you, Alana. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, when you have nothing to glorify, um, it can, oh, sorry. Um, uh, so yeah, God magnifies himself through us. Like look at this one, for example. I made another little one really quick. Um, so this is kind of like our sin. I kind of just got a random analogy. Like it's so messed up. But again, when we, when we zoom in, we can see, when we zoom in, just imagine the magnifying glass there, he's full of forgiveness too. He's not just going to discard us because we've made a mistake or we're too lazy to do something you know he's not just going to forget about that so when we decide to magnify God we have the opportunity to see and experience who he really is the one who created us and the one who created the entire world to the one who never stops loving us he is the one we need to magnify so I encourage you right now if you're facing something or or maybe you're not going through anything right now you have the opportunity to magnify every Everywhere you go, pray for people, do your daily devotions, like speak truth into situations, encourage others, because those are things so many people fail to do. And when we do so, we're the ones who are truly magnifying God. So I've just got a tiny little bit more. So I ask you, what are you magnifying and why are you magnifying it? Lead by example, follow Jesus and magnify him. Lastly, just a word of encouragement. God doesn't magnify our sins or mistakes. He magnifies and focuses on our strengths and he focuses on the good and not the bad. So.